My Life Now is a half-hour podcast show which regularly features reviews of new releases and all-time classics of both traditionally published and self-published books. Tune in for special guest interviews and, of course, helpful tips to not only write your next book, but also to help market it. My Life Now is most often referred to as a great way for authors to get quality exposure and avid readers to discover their next read. Without further delay, here's another stimulating episode of My Life Now. Welcome back to another episode of My Life Now. My name is Dallas Montague and I am the co-host here today. And today we have another amazing guest, Dale Witherington. And Dale, how are you today? I'm great, Dallas. How are you? I'm doing okay. We're having this interview today on Sunday. It's not typical to have interviews on Sunday, but how do you feel about that today? Recording a little bit of an interview, your first interview. I I feel good about it. It's a beautiful day here. It's it's always a good day to talk about God and what he's doing. All right. I agree. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about your recently released devotional, Fallen Scales. It's a seven-day devotional, a journey into seeing yourself and others through the eyes of God's heart. And I think that's a wonderful concept, something we need to remember. And I'm excited for you to tell our listeners a little bit more about that today, where to find it, and we'll just have some great conversation. Sounds good. And so, Dale, I'm going to pray to begin our, our conversation, and then we'll get right into it, okay? Perfect. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to have Dale here today. Lord, I pray that you go before us. Every single word that we say today, I pray that it is is falling on good soil. Lord, that people who are listening today in the car, at home, on their way to work, whatever, Lord, speak to their hearts. I pray for open ears and open hearts and open eyes at the end of this podcast, Lord, that they can begin to see themselves the way that you do, God, and, and have a heart that you do. Share that heart of other people, of love for people in the streets, in the marketplace, wherever we see people, Father. We love you so much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Dale, I'm going to give you the opportunity just for the next five to 10 minutes and just share a little bit about your personal testimony. Okay. Well, I, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. My, uh, my dad's been in ministry for a long time. He's an ordained minister. And, uh, so I grew up in the church. And so from day one, uh, this message was, uh, taught to me and spoke to me. Uh, so when the opportunity came to give my life to God at an altar call at church, I think I was about seven years old. Uh, naturally I took it. It was as if I knew the answer to that question because I'd been preparing for it my entire life. And uh, it, I realized as I got older that something wasn't uh, clicking, um, that uh, I, I just, there was a, the, I was missing the relationship aspect of it. You know, I, I would study the Bible as if I was taking a test and uh, it took me a long time and a huge struggle to uh, figure out that I was actually more devoted to the church than to God. And so I ended up leaving the church for, for quite a long time and just trying to find my own way. Um, I struggled. One of the things I struggled with in the church and being, you know, involved in that was, uh, you know, that we use the story of the prodigal son a lot. And I always identified with the brother, you know, cause I grew up in the church. I was there. I was, it, I saw things uh, going on, but yet 
the prodigal son, he was the one that reaped all the rewards and he, he's the one that left. And then he came back Mm -hmm. and, uh, that didn't make sense to me. Um, I, we, we would hear testimonies. People would come in and give these amazing testimonies of, uh, you know, their life before God. And, you know, they'd be involved in crime, you know, multiple relationships, all this stuff. And even maybe even done some prison and then they'd had this God encounter. And now sometimes it just felt like God said here and the floodgates opened upon them. And I'm thinking, what about the rest of us that have grown up this, you know, we, we, are not wow. leaving. We're, we're still here. Um, not realizing that at least for me, I, I was in it, but my, my heart and my mind were elsewhere. Um, and I kind of came up with a, an analogy to kind of describe the situation as if, you know, if two kids were raised, one was taught that the earth was flat and the other one was uh, taught the earth was round um, from, from birth, you know, growing up, in, we have access to all sorts of information that support both of those. Eventually those would take root and uh, one would believe the earth was flat, one would believe the earth was round. And the problem with that is obviously the kid believing the earth is flat doesn't know it's a lie any more than the kid who knows and believes the earth is round knows it's the truth. So although he was taught the truth, he doesn't actually know it. He just knows what he was taught. So that's, I knew the truth, but I didn't know Jesus as the truth personally, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it makes total sense. So I, you know, spent, I, I probably rededicated my life to God multiple times throughout my life. And, uh, ultimately, um, I just came to a point to where, you know, life just wasn't going the way I wanted it to be. I was either, I was too Christian for the world. I was too world to be Christian. And I knew I wasn't a representative or a good representative of, uh, a Christian or, so I generally kept my mouth shut about, so many different things because I I didn't want to speak against Christianity, but I, there was things that I struggled with and it essentially the double minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that's the way that I felt. So I just came to a point where like, you know, I need to make a decision. I either need to go one way or the other because, you know, life as I was living, it just wasn't going the way I wanted to. So I, just made a decision to pursue God and try and get into a relationship with him as close as I could. And I started out just with a big study on spiritual warfare. Growing up in different eras, Charlita and Reed had no idea their paths would ever cross until one Sunday afternoon. After learning of Reed's continuous battle with cancer, the friendship between the two deepened, causing an effect to both natural and spiritual realms. After what they've experienced together, will love be the answer in keeping Reed alive? Purchase your copy of No Greater Love by Charlita Houston on Amazon today. Facing challenges in marriage in spite of all your efforts, or looking for a way to enhance your relationship, or preparing for marriage, or just desiring to make your marriage more blissful? Then this book is for you, The Plan of God for Your Marriage by Dr. Ruby Ibekwe. Check this book out at www.drrubynewbook.com. That's www.drruby.com. 
newbook.com or amazon.com. And I started out just with a big study on spiritual warfare and knowing that there would come a time where, you know, I would end up battling again because anytime I made a rededication, things started off smoothly. But uh, we have an enemy that is extremely patient and waits for perfect timing to open up the door for attack. And I, I knew that eventually I would get subject to something that would throw me off course. So I just dove into spiritual warfare a lot. And I realized that my biggest enemy was actually myself and all that. It was all about the way I thought. It was what, uh, what I, the thoughts that I thought, the, the, those kind of things um, eventually took root in my heart and I had to deal with that. So, the, but I, I can't fight myself without Jesus. I mean, I couldn't deal with sin and anything that I was actually going through, whether it was bitterness, unforgiveness, anything internal, you know, I, I needed, I needed Jesus to do that or work with me. Um, cause ultimately, as we all know, we can't save ourselves. That's why Jesus had to come and, mm-hmm. and pay the price for our sins. So eventually I just said, okay, now I'm going to stop this whole study on spiritual warfare and all that and just pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and that's when things started really opening up for me that I spent so much time trying to battle my sins or battle that the flesh, the world on my own, that I'm just going to press into God. And I realized that, and that's when I realized that when God called his disciples, he said, follow me. He didn't say deal with your sin and follow me. These guys followed him and they weren't perfect. They argued, they, they, they were still sinners at that time. And it, I even realized that at, after three years of being with Jesus in the flesh, Peter still thought that he had to defend Jesus and end up cutting a man's ear off. Mm-hmm. in front of Jesus. And I, and that was in the flesh. I mean, we can all think that we would act differently if we were walking with Jesus in the flesh, but these guys lived it. Uh, he denied Jesus and Jesus was still there for him. And I realized that it was just all about my heart and my relationship with him. And, you know, I stopped worrying about every time that I messed up and I just, became quick to ask for forgiveness. And then I picked myself up and move on. And I allowed the Holy Spirit to convict me when I need conviction. Otherwise it was just kind of like, all right, let's move on. Where do we go from here? And I started writing about this and thinking about this. And that's when I started gravitating to the story of Paul, which I talk about in the devotional that this guy was a murderer and he was arresting Christians and had just, this undeniable hate for them. And I put myself in, in somebody living at that time who was a Christian, um, trying to pursue a relationship with God, trying to get an intimate encounter with God. And then to find out that Jesus gives an intimate encounter to Saul, the persecutor of Christians. Wow. Imagine that from that perspective. Yeah. Wow. Right. Cause we have the, we have kind of the complete story, Saul, Paul. So we see this awesome transformation. We see Paul's ministry afterwards. And at that time, everybody just saw Saul. But Jesus saw Paul. He saw a man 
that uh, he could use to uh, that w- with a mission for Jesus. He saw a man that uh, uh, he could put a call on his life, and Paul was actually somebody who could get into places that maybe the average Christian at that time couldn't. Um, but I I really started to, to dwell on this thought that you know somebody could have had a a personal relationship with somebody, whether it was a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a husband, or a wife who was literally dragged from their home by this man or the people that he was working with uh, being humiliated, arrested, and possibly even killed. And I started thinking about what would happen if that was today. Over the past few years, there has been more of a rise of people publicly speaking out uh, their opinions on. Mm-hmm. different leaders and whatnot in our country and the way our country is going. And everybody seems to be growing a voice and the way we talk about these people. But what if God has a calling on their life that eventually they end up surrendering their life to God and like Paul now become this huge evangelist? How would we feel about that? Which led me to Ananias, who was called to go and welcome him in as a brother and help open his eyes. That guy, I mean, if we were called today to go open the eyes of somebody of that extreme, how would we deal with that? We would be concerned with what the church thought, what our brothers and Christians thought. We have all sorts of thoughts of what we would look like. And it's not about what we look like to other people. It's what we look like to God. And, and although we may not always see the Paul in every soul, we can learn with Jesus to treat people as a Paul um, and see God's image in each person and kind of treat them as if we're actually relating to God in a way and Jesus um, versus just what we see with our own fleshly eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when I start hearing testimonies as a kid, I realized that a lot of these testimonies, they sounded great. You know, they, they sounded fun. They were entertaining, but a lot of it just focused on the before God. And it left me with this feeling of, uh, I'm missing out on something and I still had time, but yet I, I still couldn't feel like I could just walk away and start living a life like this. And then someday, hopefully I would just rededicate my life to God. So I, um, I've, and to me, these testimonies made my testimony seem very weak and boring. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in the church. You know, I did this, yada, yada, yada. And, but then I also realized that maybe a lot of people in the church, they kind of feel the same way. So maybe my testimony actually relates to more people than some of these, um, than some others where their life looks like an action movie or, (laughs) or uh, something like that. And, you know, our struggle is more internal. The the brother of the prodigal, he was jealous, envious, and he didn't know who he was. And he was in the kingdom. He was just as lost. And I find it amazing that after I started making all this connection last year, I even wrote my testimony in in a, a different book and, rewrote the prodigal son from the brother's point of view that shortly after that, my eyes were open to 
I wasn't the only one tapping into looking at this story from the mm-hmm. brother's point of view that uh, songs were being written, other stories, other people were making this connection. And there were just so many different ways to look at this story that uh, there were people that identify with the prodigal. There were people that identified with the father. There were people that identified with the brother. And there's just this whole circle of, of these stories where there were so many different point of views. And like the story of Saul at that time, I started looking at things from another point of view of how these people may have been reacting towards Saul getting this personal encounter with Jesus, even if he ended up blind, um, his sight was restored. And to me, sometimes we need to be blinded and just focus on Jesus, blinded to everything else going on around us and just put all of our focus on Jesus because he's the solution. Instead of focusing on the problem, we need to focus on the solution and just let God do the work that he needs to do in our lives. And as we start to draw closer to him and follow him, he'll shed that light on the areas of our of our life that we need to deal with and show us he's already defeated it. He's already overcome it. We're not even condemned anymore. But at that point, then we can surrender it to him. We can seek forgiveness for that. And then we can move on. But, uh, you know, we pursue the cross. Jesus died on the cross, but he didn't stay there. He went to the tomb. He was resurrected, but he didn't stay at the tomb. He went out and started, he went out and met with his disciples and he stayed with them for a period of time before he ascended. And sometimes I get caught in a trap where I'm still at the cross, but I'm supposed to move on and live in the resurrection. I'm supposed to come out of the tomb and not just stay there, go out into the world. And, you know, sometimes I'm, I just realize, you know, I'm just standing. It, I, you, you know, it's kind of like people become Christians and then we get through that whole resurrection process and we have this new life, but we don't leave the tomb. We're, we're just there. We don't come out of, uh, and go into the world. And eventually, if we just stay there, we're going to feel lost. We, you know, we need guidance. And I think sometimes we feel, at least for me, a way for God to tell me to move. And then other times I finally just get to a point where like, you know what, I'm just going to start moving. I'm just going to start doing something and press in and allow him to redirect me as normal, give him something to work with through me and accept his guidance as I go along. And, um, and kind of like a GPS. Like I said, if I need to be redirected and that's probably my biggest struggle is listening, <laughs> taking the time in prayer to actually stop talking and listen. I want to touch on that for a second. Okay. You were saying people who, who never leave the tomb, right? They have that re- they have that encounter with God. They're saved. They're Christians. And today I was studying a little bit yes. and you're familiar with the Dead Sea, right? The Dead Sea. I'm familiar with it. Okay. And why we call it the Dead Sea is because salt is there. Everything is dead because of the the huge amount of salt that's there. And it's flowing from other rivers, other lakes, other places to the Dead Sea. There's no fish. There's not trees around the outside of the, the, the Dead Sea there. And what's really crazy is that I was studying today is that so many Christians, we can consider them Dead Sea Christians because they go to conferences, they go to the church, they say the words, they sing the songs but they're dead. They're dead. The salt just stays there. Mm -hmm. What we receive from God just stays there and we don't do anything with it. Exactly like you're saying, we don't go out into the world. We don't use what we've been given. We just 
rest. We just leave it inside of us. And I think right. it's so important, like what you're saying, to go out into the world with what we've been taught, with what we've been given, and use it. Absolutely. Just like you say, your testimony is just as important as the prodigal son's testimony. The brother's testimony is mm -hmm. just as important. And I love that because I was the prodigal son in my testimony, and I don't nearly think about the, the brother's perspective enough. And so like you out there who share with those other people who can relate to you. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I love talking to people who are, who relate more to the prodigal son. And sometimes I wonder, what if the prodigal son actually left his party in celebration to go get his lost brothers and sisters? Hmm. Wow. And what would he say to him? You know, what would, because Obviously, there there was a barrier there from the brother's point of view because he stayed and all he saw was he just saw somebody who went out and lived a life mm -hmm. of sin. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that because his, his heart wasn't fully engaged in what he was doing, there was a part of him that maybe didn't want to leave because he knew that wasn't right. But he just wanted to feel like he could leave if he wanted to. So there was this element of fe feeling trapped. The The fact that the prodigal son just had this freedom to be to choose and god gave us free will so in a way i feel you know for me sometimes i just felt like at growing up i was surrendering everything to the church and to doing what's right and not to god god wants to change us but at the or work within us to be better for him but he doesn't it, he still gives us the opportunity to be ourselves mm -hmm. and use that for his kingdom. You know, obviously we have things that we need to uh, eliminate things that we need to leave behind things that, uh, you know, all this sin and things of the world. So that way we can walk the, the narrow, but ultimately it's about our relationship with him and giving him an opportunity to work with us. Because like I said, with the story of Saul, he was able to use Saul because Saul could get into places that other, uh, other Christians couldn't because he was a Roman citizen. And if we really consider the entire part of the story, he didn't go unpunished. Most of his uh, ministry was in prison. He suffered some of the same things that he inflicted on others. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to read a couple of your chapter titles for our listeners today. Uh, we have day four, seeing ourselves the way God sees us, and day five, seeing mm -hmm. others the way God sees them. And so what could you explain to our audience today about the importance of seeing ourselves and others through God's eternal perspective? Well, when we uh, become Christians, we become, our spirits are one with Jesus, and Sometimes one of, one of my biggest struggles was seeing myself the way that he sees me. I mean, I, I'm an heir to the throne. I'm, I'm, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Um, I've been redeemed. I, you know, he, when God sees me, he sees Jesus within me. Sometimes that's tough for me to even comprehend. Um, especially when I'm having moments of struggle, but then I look at other people and I, I see them as through my own fleshly eyes. I see their flaws um, and the things that they're doing. And like I said, over the last few years, there's been a rise of uh, 
just personal attacks on certain people. And I realized that any one of these people at any time could be captured by God. And if they hear uh, Christians, followers of Jesus, talking about them or even making jokes about them, the way uh, with what they're doing, is that pulling them in or pushing them away? Mm-hmm. So what if we just treated people as if they were already unified with Christ and love them that way? And it's easier saying this than doing this. This is something that I'm still learning myself, but I just, this overwhelming message just came upon me um, over this period of time and transitions that our, uh, our country is going through and that, are we pushing people away or are we bringing people in? Mm-hmm. Um, we're uh, essentially what we're doing is we're, we're judging people based on the decisions that they're making. God calls us not to judge. In some cases we're condemning them. Um, there's nothing inviting about some of this behavior. And we're comparing our strengths to their weaknesses and sometimes when it comes to looking at ourselves, sometimes we can compare our weaknesses to other people's strength, that we're not Christian enough or things uh, in terms of the way we see ourselves is we see other people who appear more Christian, but we don't know what's going on with their personal life. So I just took a, I took, took a step back and realized it's a personal relationship. I'm not going to judge somebody else where they're at and what their relationship with God may be. My call is to love them for who they are, no matter what it is that they're specifically dealing with and be open to planting seeds and being a voice of God when God calls me to talk and, or minister to whomever. Um, And like I said, that's not always, it's not always easy. It's something Mm -hmm. I still struggle with, but just looking at people and realizing that this could be somebody who becomes one with Jesus and goes out and has a huge ministry for God and my call or what God needs to do through me is to plant that seed. Mm-hmm. I can't save anybody, but I can plant seeds. I can, Jesus already did that. He's already saved everybody. It's, it's finished, but it's my job to go out and plant the seeds and maybe help water and allow those seeds to grow. But it ultimately it's the Holy spirit in Jesus that'll, that makes those take root. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Dale, are you in full-time ministry? No. Amazing. So I asked this question for our listeners to get this point, to understand this, is that you said that you're called to plant seeds, right? This is not just for the pastor. This is not just for the missionary. This is not just for people who are on full-time ministry. It's for every single believer, everyone. Absolutely. We have the opportunity to plant seeds in people's life. In our realm of influence, the people mm-hmm. we work with, the people we walk down the street with, the people we ride the bus with to, to work, whatever. We have responsibility as a believer, as a son of God, like you said, to plant seeds. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, which, which actually holds myself in accountability because, you know, I have to con- constantly think about, am I representing Jesus? If When people mm-hmm. look at me or converse with me or, in, or if I have an encounter with somebody— are they seeing Jesus in me? Uh, are they seeing somebody who's unified with Jesus or do they just see another person? And so I try to keep myself in check that way. 
Um, so that way I'm always open to uh, the Holy Spirit's voice and whether or not I need to plant a seed. And it, it, it's a lot easier to talk about than to actually do sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the more, but one of the things that I'm trying to get more comfortable with is actually open my mouth and talking. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to, I'm probably going to say the wrong things at times, but that comes with growth. You know, they, and with we, grace we fail, as well. And with grace. Yeah. So um, a lot of times where I start learning is when I start having conversation with people about what I'm reading or what, what I'm studying. And all of a sudden the message that Jesus has been trying to convey to me comes to light because I'm actually speaking it. Mm-hmm. And I don't even realize what I've learned until I start talking about it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to end with this point here, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions about where to find the book. Okay. One of my favorite moments for missionary school was they told us that today you're going to go out into the streets and you're going to do evangelism, but you can't return back to the house until you have five rejections for the gospel. Five rejections. And so going out with that perspective, it was so fresh. It was so cool to go out knowing that if I fail, even if I fail, it's going to be okay. I'm learning. I'm learning Absolutely. how to do this. I'm learning how to speak. I'm learning different ways, words and, and testimonies to share and whatever. It's, it's so cool to just get out there, put our feet in the water and test mm-hmm. it. And so that's the last thing I wanted to say with that. Um, Dale, where can we find this book? Uh, right now, it's, it's just on Amazon. I, I self-published it. It's available on paperback and uh, Kindle. Yeah. Well, Dale, thank you so much for your time here today. I'm blessed. I'm so happy that you were here today. And I have a copy of this book. And so audience, there's a link below. You guys can can click on that link, find the book on Amazon. And Dale, if I can have you in the podcast with a prayer, I would really appreciate it. Absolutely, Dallas. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we just pray that uh, you pour out your spirit upon us and you just shine through us and give us the strength and courage to overcome any fear, doubt, to go out and plant seeds, to just get used to talking and delivering your message and not worrying about the results because you've already conquered sin. You've already conquered death. And ultimately it's the Holy Spirit who's going to allow those seeds to take root. And um, I just pray that we just start doing our part and giving you a voice, uh, an out, an outlook, or an out uh, output to shine, so that way we can uh, have an impact on people's lives and allow others to see you through us. And I thank you for this opportunity to speak with Dallas and be on uh, this podcast. And I pray that you bless his ministry and that um, everybody who hears this receives some sort of message from you. It didn't hear us; they heard you and something personal for them in jesus name amen amen thank you for listening and supporting another episode of my life now please remember to subscribe to our podcast show and share it with a friend together we can keep the message of these books alive until we turn the next page together stay classy